my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Ladies, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. It is a wonderful day to be alive, a wonderful week, a wonderful time to be alive. And I'm so happy that you chose to spend your time here with me learning about healing and growth and how to make positive changes in your life. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. With the crazy heat waves we are experiencing this summer, especially here in Texas, it can be hard to stay fresh while you're out and about. And that's why I've incorporated the Honey Pot's foaming wash and wipes into my daily routine. The Cucumber Aloe Honey Pot wipes provide a quick refresh when I leave a day of errands and head to a girls' night with friends. If you're heading to an outdoor concert or festival, the Honey Pot wipes are a must to keep you fresh between the fun. Both the foaming wash and wipes are plant-derived, backed by science, dermatologist-approved, gynecologist approved, and hypoallergenic. Get 25% off your first order from thehoneypot.co slash summer. That's T-H-E-H-O-N-E-Y-P-O-T dot C-O slash summer to get 25% off your first order and join the hive today. So you've heard me share about my journey with vitamin D and how a deficiency was causing havoc in my life, causing depression that was not helped by therapy, emotional support skills, and other resources that I had access to because the source was organic and coming from inside my body. And it was only by healing my body with vitamin D supplements that I actually saw change. And I'm not alone with me being part of the 82% of black women in America who struggle with the vitamin D deficiency due to our melanin not being able to synthesize as much vitamin D from the sun. But Black Girl Vitamins is a proud black owned brand that develops vitamins to address the specific needs of black women like iron and vitamin D deficiency. Each purchase contributes to a scholarship fund that supports black women pursuing healthcare education. Plus they're vegan friendly and free from harmful additives. Try Black Girl Vitamins to see improved health in areas such as energy, fertility, and pregnancy support, balancing your blood sugar, and more. Get 10% off your first order with the code HEAL10 at blackgirlvitamins.co. That's B-L-A-C-K-G-I-R-L-V-I-T-A-M-I-N-S dot co and use promo code heal 10 to get $10 off. Take control of your health and level up your summer with black girl vitamins. It's time to make this summer your healthiest one yet. This week's episode is continuing my two-part series on change. And so last week I talked, um, 
as a whole about blocks that stop us from creating the change that we want in our lives. And so things that we may or may not be aware of. And so one of them was being comfortable with some of the chaos that can happen in our life, right? And that being our normal. And so because we consider that normal, we don't create change. Another one is us stopping when we get a little bit of relief from our change instead of continuing to go. And so maybe our goal is that we wanted to lose weight, we change our diet, we work out a little bit, and then once we start to lose a few of the pounds, then we start to get a little bit lax and we stop doing what we needed to do to lose the weight. Because here we talk about more therapeutic change. You start going to therapy, got a little bit of relief, stop going, and some of those things are starting to return into your life. Another block is waiting until the right time to change because you are afraid you may leave people behind because you are um, anxious yourself because you feel like there's too many things going on and you really do want change and you really are committed, but you just need to wait till things calm down. And we talked about how sometimes we can have a lot of chaos and dysfunction and things are not right because it is the right time for us to start our change. And the more we delay it till tomorrow, the longer we are going to waste time that we could have building the life that we want. So here's a quotable for you to remember that point. If you're ever wondering when is the best time to create change, like what is the best time frame, the best point to do it, and what is the worst time to do it, always remember the worst time to create your change is tomorrow, and the best time to create your change is today. As long as you remember that, you will always create change at the exact right time. And then the last point that I talked about was when we don't have the right tools, the right method to help us create the change, when we try to DIY things ourselves, when we don't seek the right support, when we kind of try to piecemeal stuff together, it stops us from creating the change and we kind of waste time. Or when we use traditional methods only because that's what we were told would be best, because that's what seems like it's easier, instead of using some more the updated um, and maybe more efficient models. And here, this is where I plugged what we do here, Black Girls Heal and Learn to Thrive, especially when it comes to love addiction. You know, I, I get a lot of people who get very motivated to go to therapy, which is awesome. You should totally, totally, totally go to therapy. However, the results when it comes to working through their intimacy disorders and love addictions can be lackluster, even when they combine it with things like the 12-step programs of SLAW. And so we created our program here, Learn to Thrive, in our group coaching because we know that there's those gaps, because people can spend years and years of time in this kind of recovery process and still not get the results that they're looking for because there's gaps in what therapy can do and there's gaps in what 12-step programs can do and there's gaps in what you can do yourself by going on amazon.com and there's gaps in what you can do and trying to figure out what other people have done and try to figure it out and so we specialize in helping women who are serious about getting better and serious about optimizing their time and 5xing their results we're just saying decreasing your recovery time by five because you have the right tools, the method, the systems to get to the other side. That's what Learn to Thrive is for. That's who Learn to Thrive is for. So if that is your first time hearing that, you can go to learntothrivecourse.com 
and learn more about the program, look to either enrolling then or getting on the list, depending on if doors are open, depending on whenever you are listening to this podcast episode. If you have heard me talk about this before, if you are in recovery from love addiction, love avoidance, or love anorexia, what are you waiting for? Time is the one resource that we don't get back. And so if you relate to the phrase that by this time you should have had a certain kind of life. There were certain emotional, social, familial goals that you wanted to have. And you know that your inner healing and unresolved trauma is what is getting in the way of it. It's not worth you continuing to waste time with methods and tools that don't work or trying to do it yourself. You are worth the investment of time and money. And we sell our program and we do what we do because we believe that every woman listening deserves to have the life that she always dreamed of and has wanted. She deserves to have the love given to her that she did not get growing up. And she deserves to know how to give it to her herself. And Learn to Thrive, we really emphasize you learning how to love you as a way of healing, which impacts your relationships and not just your romantic relationships, your familiar relationships and your friendships as well. So you as well go to learn to thrive course.com and get on the wait list so that you can know how to get this process started. So the doors have opened to the money rehab. So if you are one of the ladies who was interested in healing the trauma that is underneath our impulses to compulsively Overspend, over debt, and hoard our money. Now is your time. And so, unlike Learn to Thrive, which um, does have some different open enrollment periods throughout the year, the money rehab really is going to only be open for enrollment through the end of this week and ending on September 14th because I will be taking this, co- this cohort of women um, through this recovery journey for 12 weeks. And so now is your time. Um, And I do not know if I'm going to relaunch this course in the future. So I suggest that you hop on board if um, if you're interested. And so you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash money rehab to learn more about the program. Information about what it entails. There is an introduction video where I talk exactly about what we will be covering in the program, who it's for and the results that you can expect to get. And so we'd love to have you on board. Also, I am in the middle of planning for the rest of the year. So I plan in three month spurts. Um, It helps me kind of get a hold of everything. It helps me make sure that I'm not late on delivering stuff. Um, It helps me get a bigger picture and theme for what y'all are needing. And so um, September is about to end, which means that we are rolling into the last three months of the year, October, November, and December. And so I myself, already have a list of what I would love to teach you. However, I would love to hear from you what it is you would like to learn for the rest of the year to make sure that I'm prioritizing the stuff that is important to you, my Black Girls Heal community, and that you would find interesting. And so I would love if you could let me know what you wanted to learn about. There are three ways that you can do it. You can either email me at sheena at blackgirlsheal.org And let me know the things that you would like to learn about for the remainder of the year, different things you may love to hear a topic on or to see covered. Um, And Sheena is spelled with one E for those of you who have not seen my name spelled before. 
you can tell me in our Black Girls Heal group on Facebook. And if you're not already a member there, you can go to blackgirlsheal.org slash Facebook and you will be taken directly there. Make sure you answer the questions because I do decline people who do not answer the questions um, because I want to make sure that we take in women who are interested in um, learning about the things that we teach about. And then the final thing that you can do is you can send me a direct message on Instagram. And so you can go to blackgirlsheal underscore at Instagram and send me a direct message there. As a recap, the things that I talk about here at Black Girls Heal are all related to healing the effects of unresolved childhood trauma and love addiction, love avoidance, and love anorexia. So your question should be related to that. For those of you who are new to the podcast and you're not familiar with what I mean when I say the terms love addiction, love avoidance, and love anorexia, first you can check out episode five um, and learn a little bit more there. But just for the short verse, if you've heard the phrases insecure attachment or avoidant attachment um, and learn that the ways that we attach to other people is related to how we grew up, that's basically what I teach here. There are so many different effects and um, ways that you can see how it's manifested. However, I like to focus on relationships because for me, that was my cue that there is something deeper going on, how things were showing up in my romantic relationships. And then also as I gained awareness, I saw things in my friendships and I saw things in my work relationships. And so that's where my entry point of healing came in. And so that's the entry point that I like to use. And so any topics related to um, unresolved childhood trauma and how that may affect you, and especially love addiction, love avoidance, and love anorexia, I would love to do further episodes and newsletter topics and things like that for those of you who are interested. So let me know. Okay, and with that, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode. So the title of this episode is, Are You Changing or Are You Thinking About Changing? And this is an important distinction because sometimes we can think that we are actually creating differences and creating change in our life, but really we're just kind of like sitting on our hands and we are wasting time and we are not actually the creating the, the changes that we hope to be coming. And so as time passes, we can say, well, what's going on? Why is this result that I'm hoping to happen not happening right now? And so sometimes it's not that you don't have the right tools. It's where you are in the stage of change. It's your mindset and it's the way that you're approaching it. So this model is really great because it really recognizes that change is not easy, that there's a lot of different things that can come in the way. And even when changes are the things that we really, really want, right, is it's what we want more than anything. Sometimes we have to give ourselves some grace and we have to give ourselves some understanding about where we are in the process so that we can move forward. You know, self-criticism and shame may have worked in the past. However, it's only gotten us so far. And even when it is quote unquote effective because it makes us get up and do whatever it is that we want to do, it may be effective, but is it actually successful? You know, we may have reached the goal, but how do we feel on the other side of that goal? So these stages of change that I'm going to share with you, 
I'm doing so so that you can take an accurate assessment of where you are and also know how to positively motivate yourself to keep going until you get to the other side. So before I continue, I want you to take a mini assessment of all the things that you are hoping to change currently in your life. Um, So it could be anything from you want to start to eat more vegetables or you want to learn how to put down boundaries with people or you want to start to be on time places or you want to make sure that you put up your laundry instead of letting it stay around. That's one of the ones I have to work on, by the way. Just pick whatever those behaviors are. Again, they don't have to be super huge. Um, And just think about what you have tried for each of those behaviors. Think about what has worked, what hasn't worked. Think about how you feel about actually wanting to change the behavior. Is it something that you actually want to be different or is it something that you're kind of okay, kind of waiting until later? Is it something that you really want to happen now, but you're not as motivated to put in the work because it seems like it may be too much or you're scared of failing or whatever it might be. Just kind of take that assessment And then listen to these stages and just judge where you are in the process for each of those behaviors. Then from there, at the end, I'm going to tell you three questions to ask yourself to help you move to the next stage in case you're at a place or in one of the stage levels that you don't want to be in for that specific behavior. That's one more thing that I really want to emphasize. Sometimes we can feel this self-imposed guilt because there's something that we know we need to change, quote unquote, but we're really not that motivated to change. And because the outside world tells us that we need to be a certain way or present a certain way, even though for us it's, it's an issue, but it's not an issue, or maybe it's not even an issue at all, we can feel a whole lot of pressure. And so for some of these things... If you notice that you are in a lower level of change, meaning you're really not that committed to it or you're really not that invested in making it happen now, then give yourself some grace and compassion. And I will talk to you about how to do that as well at the end. But first, let me go ahead and tell you about these six stages. So the stages of change model was not created by me. It was created by some researchers by the names of James Prochaska and Carlo Di Clemente in the 70s. And the official title of this model is called the trans theoretical model. Most of your therapists that you've gone to have learned this in school. And so if you want to impress them, you can go to your next therapy session and say, hey, I listened to this podcast and I learned that I was in this stage of change. Um, But this really is an effective way for you to assess where you are. So the first stage is called pre-contemplation. So in this stage, whatever the behavior or action that you're thinking about changing, this is where you actually have a lot of denial and ignorance of the problem. So this is where really um, you don't really think it's a problem at all. So this could be anything from drug use and smoking. Um, And you could have a whole lot of people say, hey, maybe you should stop or maybe you should consider this a problem. And you could be in denial about it. Same thing for any behavior, you know, maybe People tell you again with the time issue that you're always late and you need to be more on time. And you're like, no, not all the time. Sometimes I am. Um, And that kind of perspective and attitude when it comes to it. 
When you're in this stage, the reason why you have denial is because you do not understand or you don't see how this behavior may truly be damaging to you in deeper ways than you may not realize, or you may be under-informed about the, the consequences of your actions. The next stage of change is called the contemplation stage of change. So this is where you're aware that there is a potential problem, but you're still pretty ambivalent about it. You have some conflicted emotions about whether or not it's worth the change or not worth the change. So this is... Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Where you will become more aware that there would be benefits to creating something different in your life, but you're still thinking it's not worth all that. Like there'll be more costs and there's benefits or the amount of work you would have to do or the things you feel like you would need to give up outweigh and worth the benefits that may come. So right now my husband and I are currently working through our own mini sugar addiction. Well, I should say me, he's fine. It's me. <laughs> and here I'm aware of the cost of having um, a lot of sweets will give me. Um, I know that there are a lot of benefits um, that will happen for my health and my energy. However, the amount of work that it would take to put in emotion wise um, right now at this moment on September 9th of 2019 is not strong enough to move me into the next stage of change, which I will tell you about in a moment. But there is some ambivalence there. The next stage of change is called the preparation stage of change. So this is stage three. So this is where you know that there's a problem. You are aware you've done the costs and the benefits, and now you actually want to create a change. So during the preparation stage, this is where you actually start to make 
small changes in preparation for something bigger, right? So some people think that they need to go completely cold turkey when it comes to changing a behavior. And sometimes um, it works best for some people, not for everybody, but for some people to make small changes, um, baby steps. And that's another reason why this model is so positive for people, because when we think about the things we need to um, create a different lifestyle around, sometimes we can be overwhelmed with how big it may look, how vast, right? The expanse of all the different actions and beliefs and mindsets, the people who we may need to exchange and or interchange um, with others. It could just seem like too much. And so this, this model is really about you taking your time and being kind to yourself and kind of evaluating what you need in the moment to make sure that you are successful down the road. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. So I'm going to continue to use myself because I have thought about this. But if I were to move into the preparation stage of change from my sugar addiction, a small baby step that I could do is that I could either find an alternative kind of cheat recipe for one of my favorite go-to snacks and learn how to create that snack with healthier ingredients. So I still feel like I'm getting that same, um, that same benefit of the treat, um, but with healthier inputs, or I could just exchange that sweet altogether. So let's say there were like, I don't know, I haven't counted this, but let's say there were like five or six sweets that I really like to go to. I could take one off the table, replace that with a healthy snack, and then I could interchange my sugary snacks with this new healthy snack and start to get used to eating this healthy snack as part of my rotation as I create different habits around the sweets. And then over time, I would do that with the second sweet. So now I have a different healthy snack in replacement of the second sweet that I like to eat all the time. And now I have four sweets that I may have as a snack, but now I have two healthy snacks that I never had before that I eat regularly um, to combat. And so this is just me spitballing. Um, that may be the best way to do it. It may not. I do know that there's been times that for me personally, I've gone cold turkey, been great for a few weeks, and then revert it back to the unhealthy behaviors because I hadn't built 
a lifestyle around healthy changes. I didn't have a replacement behavior for it. And so when push came to shove, I didn't really have a new foundation to rely on, right? And so this model is really helpful because it helps you create the change versus waiting for it to happen. Stage four is called action. And so this stage is where you are taking direct action towards a goal. And so this is different than preparation. Preparation, I'm doing action, right? But the stage four action is where you are full all the way in. So I'm not just cycling between um, two or three healthy snacks in the middle of two or three unhealthy snacks. I now have a full diet regimen of only healthy treats. I have a healthy breakfast, lunch, dinner menu style as well. And depending on where my belief system is, maybe I may have a cheat day or a cheat meal, but that is not my main go-to. I have a different lifestyle that I'm intentionally putting into action every single day. Stage five is maintenance. And so this is where a lot of people tend to fall off or where they may start to feel a little bit defeated because maintenance is exactly what it sounds like. So I've been doing this new lifestyle, this new behavior in stage four. Stage five is where I'm actually able to maintain it and avoid temptation around it almost without thinking. So it's become a second nature, right? So I go to a party now, there's a buffet of treats and um, cookies or whatever it may be. And there's also a fruit tray and I'm more attracted to the fruit tray or at least I'm able to self-talk in a way to where I can soothe myself and I can help myself make a better decision for me versus sabotaging the results that I've made and going back in time. And so maintenance is a whole other stage that's different than the action stage. The action, in my understanding, is where there's a whole lot more intensity, a whole lot more pressure, a whole lot more focus. And the maintenance phase is a little bit more relaxed. You are still enacting the change, but this is kind of where maybe the testing of how deep the roots were that I put in during the action stage are. And the last stage that may or may not happen, but it's important for you to hear, is relapse. And the reason why this is a stage of change is because it is important for us to know that in our journeys towards change, sometimes we are going to fall and sometimes we are going to fail, but that is part of the learning process. It does not mean that all the work that you have done has been for nothing. It does not mean that you really cannot have the lifestyle or the relationships or the, the self-image that you want because one of the old behaviors came back. During this stage, if it were to happen, you can feel disappointment, frustration, and of course, feelings of failure. The key to working through a relapse is remembering that this is part of the learning process. Learning and kind of being a scientist and figuring out, okay, what happened here? What is it that led me to this relapse? Because there's always a reason, there's always a trigger. 
And then just like a scientist figuring out, okay, well, what be, what would be the cure for this trigger? And to make, go back and return to whatever stage that you need to go back to, be it action stage four or stage five, which is maintenance. The reason why I'm not including preparation in that stage is because I'm assuming that if you get to a place of relapse is because you have already lived a certain lifestyle of change for a while, right? Because when you're in the preparation stage, you're still kind of living on both sides of the fence, right? You're gradually implementing the change. It's not full out. So to get out of relapse, you would need to go back to what has worked for you before. You should know that even though I'm giving you those these stages of change in a one, two, three, four, five, six order. It is not that you get through stages one to five or one to five, one to six, and then you go back to five and everything is great. Sometimes you may go to um, one, two, three, four, five, six, five, six, six, four, five, four, six, right? And you're kind of doing this kind of dance for a while until you are fully in a place of maintenance. And that is okay. This is where the self-talk and self-compassion is vitally important. So again, a lot of times we will recreate our own trauma by repeating the same self-criticism and negative self-talk or negative talk that other people have given to us and it's become our own talk. It's become the way that we narrate what's going on in our own life. And so... If we were to go and relapse or do something that we didn't want to do, there are multiple ways that we can talk to ourselves about it. One way is to say, Sheena, you know, things happen. You've been under a lot of stress and also you didn't adequately prepare to bring your snacks with you. You underestimated the amount of time that this event would take. Now, you know, to bring extra snacks but you've been working so hard and I'm so proud of you and you have come a long way and you would traditionally be a picky eater. And now look at all the things that you're doing. You've got this girl. I believe in you. Right. So that is a way where I can motivate myself, congratulate myself on the things that I've done, be honest about kind of the gaps that I had, but I don't end feeling like crap on the other side. Some of us, will relapse, but our self-talk would be very different. We will start to say things like, what's wrong with you? You should have known better. You're such a fat ass. Like you're never going to get there. That's why you can't fit the same stuff you've had before. That's why such and such left you. Like whatever it is, whatever our deepest fears and pain points are, that's what our subconscious will use to target us and to shame us to hopefully changing our behavior later on. And again, like I said before, maybe that would have helped us in the past, but that how is that working for you now, right? If anything, let's say you did um, struggle with um, like a sugar or food addiction. You know, I've talked about in other episodes about the reason why we do our compulsive behaviors is to heal an underlying wound, right? And so the more we poke at that wound, the more we want to do the behaviors that we're using to self-medicate, right? So I, I don't feel good enough. So I eat too much food and then I shame myself for eating too much food, which makes me want to eat more food, right? It's, it's this vicious cycle. So you have to get out of that habit 
and learn how to have more self-compassion. This is really one of the things that we really stress and I help um, my students with in Learn to Thrive because some of this stuff that I'm telling y'all, you may know, but putting it into action, it doesn't really help. You may have heard the word self-compassion before. You may have heard that you need to talk to yourself differently, but either you don't know how, and if you do know how, when you're in the moment, you're so overcome by the shame and um, the grief and the disappointment and the frustration that you don't know how to pull yourself out of it. And so that's one of the things that I help and coach my ladies through because you really do need that lifeline. You really do need someone who is outside of you to help you see everything is not lost. Look at all the progress that you've made. This is how we're going to get you out of it. And this is how you're going to get yourself out of it. Right. It's it's been really amazing to watch how um, the ladies in my program, I love y'all so much to watch how they have just flourished and thrived. And now like they, they got it. They don't, they don't need me. And I'm like, get it girl, love yourself. So that's that. So here are the three questions slash statements that I want you to consider when it comes to noticing where you are. So first, before I even give you those questions, you've heard the six stages, which are pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, maintenance, and relapse. I want you to assess where you are in each of those stages. Maybe you're actually already in stage six. So you, you've, you've changed your life. You know what you need to do. You've been doing well, and maybe you relapse. And let's say the way that you have self-medicate before is with these relationships. And so maybe you are in the middle of a relapse. You've gone back to a relationship that you have not wanted to be in or that you can't break out of or it feels um, really painful and impossible to break out of. And so that's where you're living right now, right? Maybe you're in the preparation stage. So maybe you've tried to separate yourself from this person and kind of just have different breaks with them. So um, you haven't really done the action stage. You haven't fully cut it off. You haven't blocked on social media at a time that you weren't angry at them, right? It wasn't like a sober decision. It was in a way to kind of hurt them or to like give an ultimatum. But as soon as they come back around, you let them back in. That would mean that you are in the preparation stage and you haven't actually been in the action stage before because you're trying to make gradual changes versus the actual change. Let's say with boundaries, you're trying to put boundaries down with talk to family members um, and you are in the action phase because you have told your mom directly, this is what I need from you, mom. Like, I don't like when you make fun of the positive things that I'm trying to do in my life or the fact that you scoff that I'm getting help or that you can't tell me that you're proud of me, but you just continue to berate me for the things that I do. Can you tell me something good that you think about me? Like you're having these direct conversations either about boundaries or about your relationship, whatever it may be, but you're putting it into actual things that you can see, touch, taste, and feel. Or maybe you're straight up in the pre-contemplation stage. Maybe there's a whole bunch of stuff that people have told you is a problem and you're like, I don't think I have a problem. I think that's other people's issues, but it's not mine. You know, people have told you that you have an anger issue or you have an attitude and you're like, it's them, it's not me. And maybe you might not feel that way a year from now or a month from now, 
but you can also be there as well because you are not aware of the impact of your actions or the consequences of it or what it's actually costing you um, because you haven't seen it yet. But once you know where you are, these statements slash questions are going to help you move to the next stage and it's going to help you have success. So the first question is, do you have the resources and knowledge that you need to make a lasting change successfully? So is it possible that you have been trying to do everything that you know how to do yourself, but you need to look for tools and expert support outside of you to help you get there? So for me, going back to the sugar addiction, I was actually mentioning to my husband this past weekend, you know, I've like read all the books, I've done all the things, I've made a million and one um, meal plans and commitments and all that stuff. And I was like, maybe I do need to go to a nutritionist. Maybe I do need to go to someone who's going to help me create a plan where I won't be hungry on the other side and I won't feel like I am depriving myself and um, that will actually give me the structure and accountability that I need, right? So for whatever the action is or the changes that you need to make, what is it for you? What resources may you be lacking? What support may you be lacking? And where do you need to go or where do you know to go that someone can help you with that? Second question or statement is, is there anything preventing you from changing? So is there anything in the way? So this could be actual people that are in the way of you making a change. So again, let's say this isn't the case for me, but let's say that um, I was in a household where everybody was super, super unhealthy. I wasn't in control um, primarily of the groceries that were coming inside of the house. And so the things that were preventing me from changing is that I constantly had an influx of food that was unhealthy for me. Um, And so one of the things that I would need to know One of the things I would need to figure out is how do I get access to my own food and to an alternative support system so that I can effectively change my diet? Because not only is it the impact of, you know, a pantry full of chips and soda and like snacks and like all that stuff that is the temptation and it's hard and there's not really any healthy options. But also if you live in a home like that, there is a culture that that is what is normal, healthy or healthy-ish food, right? There's a dismissal of the fact that um, we're eating things that are actually killing us and taking away our lifespan and creating more heart disease and blood pressure issues and diabetes and all this stuff that plagues black people more than everybody else, right? And so um, in talking to them about that, there may, you may get a whole lot of resistance and people who may make fun of your goals or try to sabotage your goals even, you know, they, they'll make your favorite, favorite meal that is very unhealthy just to see if you're going to take a bite and really, really try to influence you, right? And so what are the things that may be preventing you from changing, Is it the mindset stuff that I talked about in last week's episode about you're waiting for the right time for change to happen? And again, remember, today is always the right time for change. Tomorrow is the wrong time. It's always today, right? If you're listening to this, if your diet was supposed to start on Monday morning, and this is now Thursday at 1.23 p.m., then you start today, Thursday. You don't wait till next Monday, right? You start right now at 1.23 p.m. This is the perfect time for you to start your change. So think about what are the barriers to change that you may be experiencing. 
And the last thing for you to consider to have success is to figure out what are the triggers that may make you want to return to your former behavior. So again, nothing happens in isolation. There's always something that you're looking for to fix or to self-medicate when it comes to more compulsive behaviors, right? Um, And this is across the board. So let's talk about tardiness. Let's say that you wanted to stop being late everywhere that you went. So what might be a trigger um, for you? Is it pressing the snooze button Um, too many times. Okay. What would be a trigger for you pressing the snooze button? Because the way that you get rid of the triggers, you solve the problem. So if you just say, I'm going to, um, I'm going to not press the snooze button so many times. Well, that could be a solution or we can look at seeing, well, why do you press the snooze button so many times? What time do you go to bed at night? Do you go to bed so late that your body literally needs to sleep? And it's not just that you're being lazy and you're choosing not to get up, but that your body can't function without so many hours of sleep. So you need to go to sleep at a different time. Do you travel with other people who constantly make you late, right? Do you have a partner or a spouse or a sibling who themselves like to show up late on time? Like you're actually good compared to them. And when they're coming with you, things just escalate. So do you need to set boundaries with them and tell them, you know, from now on, if you don't get here by this time, I'm leaving you Um, and you'll need to get an Uber or whatever it might be. And you actually follow through with those boundaries. So, again, be a scientist and figure out what is the thing that may trigger me to go back to my old behavior and go from there. So with you assessing where you are in the stages of change and figuring out what you need to do to get to the other side, this should help you make it happen. But that is it for this episode. I will see you in the next one. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.